Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. Welcome to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq El Amin. You are listening to us on WCEV 1450 AM, and we are reaching the world by streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. Folks, if you are new to Radio Islam, to the Radio Islam family, welcome. Uh, we are a live call-in talk program, and we air, we air every day from 6 to 7 p.m. Central from the beautiful city of Chicago, Illinois. You will hear the train from time to time in the background. Uh, that's just a little bit of our, of our ambiance that you might miss uh, once our new studio is up and running. So, yeah, so, yeah, it's in the works, so enjoy that train uh, while you can. Uh, folks, remember, if you haven't already done so, keep up with us, follow us, like us on social media. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all at Radio Islam USA, at Radio Islam USA. If you'd like to get in touch with us tonight during the course of our discussion, uh, you can do so at 312-750-1178. That's 312-750-1178. All right, so we have gotten all of that out of the way. Uh, Radio Islam family, we have, uh, well, I don't I don't just throw, throw around... Um, um, praise and all that kind of stuff. But we do have a dynamic uh, individual in studio with us, uh, Bushra Amawala, who is running for the uh, for Cook County Commissioner in the 13th, right, in the 13th. Uh, it was a district, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the thir- 13th district. And uh, we actually had a chance to talk with her, I think, at, at the beginning of her campaign. It was around September or so. And so, but she's she's back in studio to join us and to just give us an update and uh, see how things are going. So, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Thank you so much for having me today. It's surreal that you mentioned that I was in studio in September because yeah. now seeing how much time has flown by. Because I remember I recall saying, "Yeah, it's like six months till the election." Mm-hmm. Not worrying about it, and now it's two months away. Yeah, quite right. frankly, and. Time has really sped up, and we've made a lot of progress since then. So when I was last in studio, my name wasn't even on the ballot yet. Petition season hadn't even begun. Um, I needed 380 signatures to get my name on the ballot. Mm -hmm. Since then, we've submitted 1,300 and have secured the top spot on the ballot as well, which is extremely exciting. Wow. Because for these down-the-ticket offices... Um, you are able to garner on 10% more votes simply based on ballot position. So for some of the more municipal offices, if people don't know or aren't familiar with all the candidates, they're more likely to just vote for whoever is on top. And that's historically what we've seen based on an NPR study. <laughs> <laughs> How uh, Was that difficult, securing that top spot? So it's actually kind of interesting because this is the way Chicago does it in the state of Illinois, but other states are different, which I just learned. But it's kind of like a game. Whoever gets there first mm-hmm. gets on top, and that's literally how it is. So myself and the incumbent both got there at 9 a.m. the first day of filing, so we both were technically first. So they literally put both of our names in a hat and picked one out. So my name was on top. Wow. Which is incredible because it's the first time his name has not been on top. And this is the incumbent. Yes. Mm. 
So I see that as an accomplishment. Absolutely. So people say it's kind of luck, but I mean, being able to garner and having all of that put together, ready to go the first day of filing is an accomplishment in my right. opinion. Yeah. Absolutely. And not being kicked off the ballot for insufficient signatures or inadequate amount of signatures. The quality of them was all good to go. So we made it. Now, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because that is, I think that's just textbook uh, politics 101, election 101. It is to contest the other person's signatures. Uh, and people have been kicked off the ballot just yeah. because of that. Yeah, the most famous story is like what Obama did when he was running for Senate. Um, he just got the other woman's name off the ballot. But for me, I didn't challenge his signatures and he didn't challenge mine. Both of okay. us were just like, we have the right to be on the ballot. We didn't touch right. one another's signatures. Yeah. Which, thank God, I don't think I personally had the time or resources to challenge his, and nor would I have been happy if mine were challenged. Yeah, that could definitely be yeah. uh, tedious and time. Yeah, time. and that's why we collected three times as many. Um, that's why we submitted 1,300, to make sure that even if they were challenged, we'd still have more than double needed mm. to secure our spot. So so what's been going on? What, what are some of the developments that have taken place since we last had a chance to talk with you? Oh, gosh, so much. So when we last spoke, I'm pretty sure I was struggling with fundraising, and I mentioned money a lot. Right. I, this is my first time bringing it up, and we're, what, three minutes in? <laughs> right. Um, so in November, I hosted my first fundraising dinner, mm-hmm. and it was a huge success. I went to a pretty local restaurant, and I shared with the owner that I'm planning on hosting a fundraising dinner here, and I mentioned that I might have around 50 people in attendance, and he, he was like, that's great. My capacity is 120. Good luck. I said that's fine like what thanks for the extra knowledge but I don't it doesn't matter I sold 145 tickets wow and it was great we had a full house it was packed and friends and supporters a lot of my teachers from my old schools were there various community members and the room was buzzing with excitement and I was so happy um so since it was a huge success fundraising wise we were able to raise six thousand dollars that night Mm, wow which is great and that's um apart from what was the cost so we raised actually um eight thousand dollars but two thousand was the cost of like the venue and food and everything which is great um so as a result we're actually hosting another fundraising dinner back on popular demand but also because there are many expenses that i have to take care of and since we last spoke i was assuming i wouldn't need more than ten thousand dollars for this race Mm -hmm. i've raised above that and i can honestly tell you i do need more money one of the main things i'm fundraising for is sending out a county-wide piece of mail to every single registered voter in the district to help get my name out there no one's going to vote for you if they don't know who you are if they haven't heard of your name even if you have the top spot (laughs) on the ballot so that's incredibly expensive. That alone is estimated to be $10,000. My attorney was $3,000. Just the retention fee. So it's 225 for every hour we meet. So these are all expenses that I'm pretty transparent about. Like, this is what I'm spending money on. This is what I need money for. Nothing else extra. Buttons, T-shirts, stickers. I pay with my own personal funds. Right. Okay. So um, for those who are hearing you for the first time, why don't you just give us a refresher and just kind of tell us about your platform and your um, what's pushed you into the race. Yeah. So the first thing that quote unquote pushed me was someone asking me to run. Mm-hmm. And I think that in that moment when I was coming up with tens and even hundreds of reasons as to why I shouldn't run, there was someone in front of me saying, no, I believe in you and I think you should. Um, and I knew if I thought about it any longer, I probably would not have decided to do this because I thought about it and I realized, okay, what do I have to lose? So I'll briefly touch on who and what shared. So summer of 2016, I had a lot of friends share that they would be voting for Donald Trump to be president. 
and a lot of my life I've been trying to sort of disassociate negative stereotypes associated with Muslims. Right. And I realized that I was a hypocrite. Mm. I had the same sort of stereotypes against people who were Republican. So I wanted to get a first-hand look of what it meant to be Republican. What issues do they care about? What policies are they extremely passionate about? And the opportunity came up in my high school to work on our then-Senator Kirk campaign, uh, Senator Mark Kirk, and it was an incredible opportunity. There was an extensive application process. I was his head field intern. I got the position, and I never had to compromise any of my personal beliefs or values on that campaign. All I had to do was ask registered Republican voters a series of five questions, Mm -hmm. and they would later shape policy around it. I didn't have to tell a single person to vote for Kirk. And the first question on that list, don't ask what the other four were, I don't remember, but the first one was on a scale of one to ten, how fearsome are you of an Islamic terror attack on U.S. soil? What? Yeah. And everyone would say ten. Very fearsome. People would look around to see if there was like a hidden camera somewhere because there's this Muslim girl with a hijab on that has a shirt that says Kirk on asking them this question. And that's when I realized that people were very fearsome of Muslims in our society, and it's because of the lack of visibility of them. And it was someone on the Kirk campaign who asked me to run for office. They said, we think you'd be great. Like, we love your drive, your energy, your passion. You get along with everyone. They knew they knew I was not a Republican. We were Facebook friends. There was no denying it. Sure. But they like, you get along with everyone. And that's something that, it's a unique trait. And they're like, you should consider running for office. Um, and I thought about it, and I said, okay, would you all support me? And they're like, no, of course not. You wouldn't want our support. We're Republican. And I was like, okay, good point. But they did help me with the logistical process of filing paperwork, of getting my bank account set up. And after that, I was sort of on my own. But since then, I call it a movement because I have 70% of the volunteers on my campaign during petition collection. It was the first campaign they've ever worked on. Really? Yeah, and I feel like I've really been able to engage members of the community at this level of politics in a way that they have not before, especially people who've normally shied away from it. They're like, no, politics is dirty. I don't pay attention. Where it's, it's a lost cause. But no, those people are stepping up and standing in the cold, standing in the rain to get, for example, my name on the ballot and now to promote so, you. So um, what's the difference for you uh, between being a part of Senator Kirk's campaign and now, I mean, obviously, that it's your name on the ballot. Yeah. Uh, but <clears throat> what's the the major difference? Uh, do you feel like you have that you have grown in in ways that you had maybe would not have foreseen? Yeah. Um, so one of the main things I learned on the Kirk campaign was empathy, and I feel like I always had it in me. But literally hearing the other side, you're like, okay, I see why you would think that way, and that was one of the things that I really gained from there. But a lot of we did a lot of talking to voters making phone calls going door to door and my campaign is all grassroots so we're doing a lot of that still and even though i'm the candidate quote unquote i'm doing a lot of i feel like the work that normally you wouldn't think a candidate would for example like i have a fundraising dinner coming up i designed the flyer because i think it's too much back and forth if i find someone i'm like hey this is what my idea is can you put this on there they send it to me a day later i'm like no can you change that i just did it myself and there are things like that like little things that i feel like i've been able to do um i was collecting just as many petition signatures as any of my other volunteers were and that's something you often don't see a candidate doing but i think that's what's really i don't want to like praise myself but people have said that's what's admirable about leading from the front right right and it's not like i know like every single part of this campaign you know i know what's going on the fundraising side i know it's going on the social media promotion side because i'm involved in all parts of it um, so I think does that answer your question uh, yeah it, it sounds like uh, it sounds like to me where you were you are you were you had a questionnaire and you were asking people 
uh, questions, voters' questions. Yeah, yeah. But now it sounds like you are doing way, <laughs> way more yeah. than that. You were involved in, like you said, you're involved in every aspect right. of the campaign. And I really like that because mm-hmm. I, I feel like that just dr- makes me more and more passionate about this, knowing that I'm involved and engaged in every single aspect of it. And I have more ownership because of that. But um, briefly on what I my platform is, one of the main things would be increasing transparency. And I feel like people roll their eyes when I bring that up. They're like, oh, of course you want to increase transparency. Everyone does. Mm-hmm. But by that, I mean one of the first things that come to mind is people often ask what county commissioners do or what we deal with. And we have a $5.2 billion budget. If you try to see... Yeah, $5.2 billion. If you My try eyes to, bugged. Yeah. Uh, just, <laughs> yeah. If you yeah. try to see where the money is being allocated from that budget, mm. it takes you to a 430-page document. It is my role, and it will be my obligation as your commissioner to break that down into everyday colloquial language so a third grader and, like, a Harvard PhD person both can understand where the money is going. So that's what I mean by transparency. Mm-hmm. Being just very upfront and frank about where the money is going, what services are being utilized. But on the flip side, for example, county care is one of the services that are offered. I'm, I've worked in many low-income communities and communities of color. We touched on that um, when I was here last time, but... Right. I noticed that a lot of these people are the ones who qualify for county care. And I've asked many of them, are you signed up for this? Um, It's free health care that the county provides. Lots of money goes into it. And a lot of them have said no. And my following question is why? And they're like, well, what is that? So it's a lack of awareness. They don't Mm. know about it. And it's our responsibility as our county commissioners to educate our constituents as to what services we're providing. It's, I think it's, should be embarrassing that so many people don't know what the county commissioner does we should be at the forefront so i really seek to host town halls and forums in all areas of the district i mentioned last time the makeup of my district is pretty interesting because there's this one um the rogers park area is extremely especially a tiny portion of it it's impoverished the Mm -hmm. average income is extremely low and we also have winnetka and glenview and these are extremely wealthy suburbs and both of these areas are in the 13th district of cook Cook county and you see that a lot of these town halls and forums are in one saturated side it's not spread out so that's what i mean by transparency and another thing that i'll briefly touch on is the idea of a progressive um progressive property tax so we also deal with property tax assessments and by that i like to share a story about when i was younger and how this idea really came to be so when we, we used to live in this pretty underprivileged area in Rogers Park until I was nine years old, where I was blessed enough to move to the beautiful, diverse village of Skokie. When we first moved to Skokie, our property tax was $6,000. Um, after about eight years of living there, our property value was exactly the same. My parents' combined income was still pretty low, but our property tax almost doubled to $11,000. And my I remember That's my mom being, right, I remember my mom telling us that she has to pay property tax property taxes and we were like what's that like what are you paying all this money for and she was so stressed and concerned as to how she would pay him and she talked to almost anyone she could and someone once told her hey just appeal it and my mom came home and she looked at us and she goes what does that even mean 
And when I say I want to serve as a voice for the underrepresented communities and mm-hmm. my underrepresented generation, sure, really, sure. Um, it's because I have this perspective. And that really changes so much stuff. So I feel like no one would think about reaching out and like translating these documents, for example, or educating especially immigrant families who come from places where I know in Pakistan, we didn't have to pay property taxes. So what do you mean appeal it? Like, what is that form? What does that look like? Where do you submit it? How do you get access to it? When, is, when are the dates and times? So reaching out to those families in particular and offering like language translation services so that's one of the things so there are two things that go hand in hand with that well uh, uh, it obviously sounds like a a big part is going to be um, establishing uh, partnerships and just greater Mm -hmm. visibility uh, with communities that that are not utilizing services that would benefit them yeah so yeah that that's a huge thing Um, there's also some other things that have that have taken place recently um and I'm gonna. I'll frame this very quickly by saying that uh, you are a you are part of a growing number of uh, Muslim women that are engaging in the uh, political process that are running for elected office, and that has caught the attention of some very serious and uh, well-known publications. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit a little right. bit about that? Um, so when I announced my candidacy, it was March of 2017, so pretty early, and I didn't know any other Muslim candidates running. Now there's this huge community, not just of Muslim candidates or just female candidates, but first-time candidates. And we all learn so much from one another. So since then, I have gained a lot of very um, healthy media coverage, which has helped me out a lot because I would have been spending so much money on advertisements and newspapers and stuff that I've fortunately been featured in. Uh, One of the main ones that we're talking about today, um, the cover for Time Magazine was released. And myself, along with 22 other first-time female candidates, are on the cover. So that's really exciting because being on the cover of Time magazine, like, it, I, it, I'm excited. How many copies did you get? None yet, but I'm about to get a lot. Yeah, I was like, oh, my gosh, where can I get my hands on a copy? Yeah. Um, another is Scholastic Magazine. So it's the magazine I remember reading as a kid, and I would always admire all the people in the magazine. And it's so funny. I feel like I would look at it, and I would think, man, what do they do to get in this? Like, they're doing such good work. And I'm like, I cannot even fathom that I'm in it. Like, page six. So with that's the New York Times Upfront and Junior Scholastic both magazines I actively used to read as a kid and it, I saw the question sheet that came with it so there's like a list of a couple of questions like a worksheet mm-hmm. after you read the article and the question's like what are Bushra Amiwala's next steps and I'm like oh my goodness like I don't know but <laughs> wow like the students are going to be sitting in the classroom and answering these questions um, I was featured by Now This which is also a pretty um, famous media company uh, so what are some other major ones like various like the the Bulge newspaper Oh, I think when I was here last time, this is another interesting th- thing that happened. Did I talk about political action committees and soda money? Um, we may have touched on it, but why don't you go ahead and I just feel give like, us a recap? I think this didn't happen yet when I came here last time. So yeah. um, the soda tax was a huge controversial thing that went on with the county. It's sort of the – I'd say people have stamped as what the county does just because of the single tax, but um, – this, I think this was after the show. So a political action committee reached out to me, and um, they offered to donate $54,500 to my campaign. And I remember sitting with them at a very fancy restaurant, like RL Restaurant, and I was very underdressed because I didn't know what that was. And 
we um were taught they were talking about how they really like my message and how i want to represent sort of the working middle class and all other communities that really feel left out and they think that this primary will be historical in many ways for, in regard to voter turnout and they said well we want to donate this amount of money to you and that's the maximum legal amount you can can in the state of illinois and i was like that's wonderful where does your money come from and they were like various local small businesses in Cook County. I was like, that's great. Like, I love the idea. I love the message. What can, what's the catch? Like, what can go wrong? They're yeah. like, no, there's no catch. And I was like, okay, great. Mm-hmm. Um, I went home. I looked up their finance reports. And the money came from five companies, Coca-Cola, PepsiCo, Dr. Pepper, Snapple, and a different Coca-Cola pack. Mm. And, I mean, like Canada Dry wasn't even on there. What do you mean small companies? So... <laughs> Five large soda companies. And I was in a pretty difficult situation because I knew if I took that money, one, it would be more than enough to win this race. I could send out a piece of mail to every voter every single day, every week up to the election. They'd have to know who I am. Um, But I I want to be a different sort of politician than all the others are. I don't want to be bought, and I can't be bought, even with that amount. And I don't want to serve corporations. I want to serve all of you, which is why my campaign has been funded by individual contributions and donations. And so I respectfully declined their offer. And now here we are. We're, we've still, we have raised more than double the amount of money than the incumbent has. Mm-hmm. And we've raised the most money. And that really, like I mentioned last time, legitimizes your campaign and candidacy because it shows um, how much access you have to various resources and such. That is awesome. Uh, Radio Song family, we're talking with Bushra Amiwala. Uh, she is running for the Cook County Commissioner's seat, 13th District. Um, so if you haven't heard of her, well, you've heard of her now. She just mentioned that she's on Time Magazine, Scholastic Magazine, which I remember reading uh, in school myself. Uh, so that just tells you how, how long it's been around. Um, let me ask you this. What do you think or what opportunities do you feel like exist in uh, county government uh, to as far as in, in terms of uh, partnerships or maybe new ways of, uh, of, of approaching things, uh, because everything is about, it's, it's all about the, the bottom line right now. People, people don't want to be taxed more, yeah. but we also recognize that there's, there's great value mm-hmm. in the services provided mm-hmm. by the County. Are there any things that, uh, that you might look at differently um, that, that, w- that would help to move us forward? Yeah. I think we should really take advantage of our interconnectivity through social media currently, and I hope to modernize the county's office. So currently we have board meetings that can be sort of live-streamed through television, but, I mean, I don't know anyone that watches cable TV anymore, but even apart from that, if you live-stream it online, you can take advantage of the fact that if someone's watching it from the comfort of their home, they can type a question, which would come up to us instantly, which we can answer on the spot, and they can raise concerns like that as well. And I think we, again, should take advantage of our interconnectivity. And if we want to serve as people who represent our constituents, then what better way than to listen to them and to actively engage them in every step of the process? And that ties into the idea of transparency because there will never be a question or there will never be an excuse for someone to not know what the county commissioner does. Because here is, here's all of our live recordings. Watch it. Be engaged. Here, fill out a monthly survey. Tell us what you care about. Come to our town hall meetings. Increase the visibility as a whole of what this role is. And the best way, I think, is to engage members of our community people who are community leaders as is currently um whether they're running organizations from the bottom up or organizing in various rooms we need to get them at the political level too because their voices are so incredibly valuable and 
we need to leverage them through this position. Do you see, uh, do you see yourself and uh, some of the other first-time candidates? Do you see this as a as a new wave of, of leadership? Yeah, definitely. Um, one of my campaign slogans is a generation of progress, and this. Regardless of your age, if you're a first-time candidate, you're a part of the new generation of leadership. And it's just seeing the way things have been run and being dissatisfied with them and having a perception that most others do not have to offer. And those who are finding success as first-time candidates, they are finding it because of this degree of genuinity and sincerity, which you can't make up, you can't fake. You can try, but you won't last very long. And that's something that speaks louder than any else really does and I think people are almost tired of having others represent them that don't actually represent them people want someone who they can see themselves in and what better person than someone who's been engaged in the community but also my youth has really played out in my favor one people are very impressed when they hear what my age is but two they're more likely to share their concerns to me knowing that I'm a younger person and I quote people say all the time like you won't judge me for saying this so I'll tell you what bothers me and and how, how old are you um, I turned 20, oh, like two weeks ago, which is great because yeah. everyone made such a big deal about me being 19. They're like the Muslim teen. I was like, <laughs> I'm 20 now. <laughs> yeah, and I turned 21 after the general election. So again, it's a very practical, I think, age to run. And I think I can serve as a voice for many of the people that fit in the millennial age group category. Yeah. Well, it's, it's inspiring. And it's not just inspiring because, first of all, you're in this to win this. Uh, and it's not it's not a a moral victory that you know right. that, that I was in there, right so um, I'm just gonna say that we're we're continuing to uh, pray for your uh, continued you. success yeah I mean uh, and and just just keep keep doing what you're doing and keep us up to date let us know uh, you know you're always welcome whenever you're ready to, uh, to come sure. back and talk to us uh, we got two months left yeah so yeah so we'll be looking to see why don't you let uh, Radio Song family know about that fundraiser again real quick yeah. before we uh, cut out. So my fundraising dinner is on Wednesday, January 31st. It's in two weeks, a little under two weeks. It's at the Holiday Inn Skokie. It's at 7 p.m., but the program doesn't start till 7.30. For, so for those of you who are coming from work, feel free to attend. Anyways, tickets can be purchased online. Very limited at the door. Um, if it goes like last time, then there will be none sold out the door. So buy them early online while you still can. And okay. details for that are on my website, www.amiwala2018.com. Okay. Thank you so much for coming in and taking time to talk with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. All right, Radio Slime family, we're going to take a short break, and we will be back in just a moment. became his driver. Soon enough, it was up to me to be his housekeeper and financial manager, too. When he moved in, I became his cook and even his nurse. But no matter what roles I play, I know I'm still his daughter. We understand the roles you play. So to help, we created aarp.org caregiving, where you can connect with experts and other caregivers. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Would your business survive a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now before it's too late. 
For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. Assalamu alaikum. SoundVision is starting a new initiative to provide crisis intervention to those in need. Through the crisis text line, anyone can text 741-741 and be connected via text to a trained crisis counselor who is there to listen and show empathy. The crisis text line is open to everyone. By texting the keyword SALAM, that's S-A-L-A-M, to 741-741, users will be connected to a trained Muslim counselor whenever available. You can also volunteer to undergo training and become a counselor. For more information, visit soundvision.com. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to Radio Islam. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is your host, Tariq Alamein. As always, we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, and we are live streaming at www.wcev1450.com. Uh, remember, Radio Islam family, if you have the TuneIn app, you can now catch us there. Uh, just look up WCEV. You can catch the podcast there as well. Uh, tune in. We're on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud. So wherever you get your podcast, you will find Radio Islam there. Uh, and and leave us a comment. Let us know what you think about what we're doing. I mentioned maybe a couple of weeks ago. I mean, we're only we're really only a couple. Of, well, we're three weeks in, I guess, uh, into this new year of 2018. And one of the th- things that we mentioned was that we are. We are expanding our programming and our offerings and it's just trying to think of, of, of better ways to, to serve you, just to give you things that, are, that have value. And a couple of things that we came up with in addition to the uh, book club uh, we told you all about. Um, and just a quick reminder, that book club, we're starting off with uh, Malcolm X, the uh, autobiography of Malcolm X as told to Alex Haley. We're going to be having a conversation about that in studio Friday January 26th uh, at our regular time, 6 p.m. And we invite you, if you have read the book, we'd love to, to hear from you. You can either call us the night of or you can send us an email or inbox us, um, post it on our Facebook page, your comment or question. And we'll make sure that we are reading those and putting those into our discussion. Uh, the next thing is we have uh, we, we've. We've come up with about three, we've got three new segments. And one of those segments is the jobs report, uh, which we're going to be playing in just a second. We're going to be sharing that in just a second. But that jobs report came about because of a very uh, real concern. We know that there are folks who are listening or people that are picking up the podcast that are looking for employment. And so we've partnered with the Chicago, uh, Chicago Urban League, uh, an historic organization which provides services for people who are looking for employment or to better their employment. They offer training, resume uh, writing skills, interviewing skills, uh, and just a, a whole plethora uh, of opportunities. So we check in with them once a week, and we get a jobs report uh, from them. 
we talk with an employment specialist over there, just a, a wonderful uh, asset, a wonderful friend, uh, Miss uh, Kimberly Pearson, and uh, she gives us a, a report, and it lasts about uh, about 10 minutes. So you're going to hear it here, but you can also keep up with it. Look for it every week, wherever you get your podcast. Just look up the uh, Radio Islam Jobs Report with uh, the Chicago Urban League. The next thing that we've developed is we also have the um, uh, Health Talk, Health Talk with Dr. Wahid. And if you have questions, so in this week, our first, this is our first time doing it, we talk with Dr. Wahid about one of the big things that everybody seems to look at at the beginning of a new year. And one of those top things, top things is what? It is losing weight. So in that segment, he's going to talk with us about healthy ways to, to, to go about losing weight, things that we need, we need to pay attention to, and uh, it kind of breaks down some things. The last segment that we have now that uh, – and each one of these, these things I'm mentioning, these are things that you can go right to our, uh, our – wherever you get your podcast and pull those up and take 10 minutes and listen, benefit, share – um, and and you may also hear them, like I said, on the night like tonight, where you also hear them on the air. Uh, but that last thing is the, um, it is the health, is it the health checkup with Doctor Z? Happiness. Happiness. Happiness checkup. Happiness checkup with Doctor Z. Uh, Doctor Z is a, uh, he's the founder of the Universal Self Leadership Institute, uh, and he does a lot of personal as well as. Um, uh, uh, business commercial uh, types of, of training and mentoring, and we check in with him once a week, and he gives he gives uh, suggestions and advice on how on how we're able to, to, to streamline and be more productive. So those are the th- uh, three things uh, that we have going. Uh, but right now, we're going to listen to the jobs report for this week, and um, we're talking with. Employment Specialist Kimberly Pearson at the Chicago Urban League. So we're going to go ahead and check that out, and we'll be back in just a second. Well, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to be quiet so we can hear the report. All right. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. All right, Radio Islam family, it's your host, Tariq el We're going to take this opportunity to check in with our friends over at the Chicago Urban League about employment opportunities and resources job seekers can be on the lookout for this week. And to make that happen, we are joined by the one and only Miss Kimberly Pearson, uh, employment specialist extraordinaire. How are you, Kim? I'm well. How are you, Tariq? Doing good, doing good. So so what do you have going on over there today? So we've got some um, exciting things happening here at the Urban League, and I want to start with that. Uh, Just to let people know that we are definitely a resource to them uh, for all things employment-related and any struggles that they may be having with finding employment if they are seeking uh, positions or, and just trying to figure out their next steps, we can definitely be a service to them. And uh, a few ways that we do that is we have um, 
um, we have a program here that we are recruiting for now. I spoke a little bit about last week, mm -hmm. and that is the Comet Construct Program. It is one of our most highly sought programs. It's pretty competitive uh, to get in, and slots are filling, but we still have some available. And we want to make sure that your listeners and anyone else that's interested can come out and actually learn more about Construct. So we have information sessions set up for tomorrow, the 17th, and then also the 19th, which is, I believe, Friday. Both of those sessions will start at 10, and they can last up till about 12.30 p.m. If you are interested, uh, you can definitely give us a call. I'm going to give our phone number at the end of the call. And some of the basic requirements are you must be at least 18 years of age, have a high school diploma or GED, um, be able to pass our TABE exam, have a valid driver's license, and pass a drug test and a background check, and then also we'll have an admissions interview here on site with the program man, uh, manager for the for the comment program. And just to share some testimonials, our clients who go through this program, they land wonderful, lucrative positions with comment in construction. Um, this program, you can get a flagger certification. Also, you can get the permit to get a CDL. So, you know, once you get a CDL, you can pretty much write your own ticket in the transportation industry. And being a part of this program is really the doorway to the other side of a lot of those other opp or those opportunities. So definitely come out and get more information. And when you come, you can even take the test and meet the program manager. Again, those um, those informational sessions will be on one seventeen, and then also on one nineteen, both at ten o'clock a.m. And also some other events we've got going on here at the Urban League. We partner with a lot of employers, and they come to us for assistance in diversifying their workforce, and so that's what we definitely want to always help them out with. And one of the ways we work with them in partnership is by having employer events, and we've got three big ones coming up. The first one up is Tuesday, January 30th from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. We'll have Brookfield Zoo here on site. Everything and anything that you think is needed to run a small town is needed at, a, at, at the Brookfield Zoo. I mean, the positions they have available right now really do run the gamut. And during this presentation, our wonderful friends there will talk about working for the zoo, some of the benefits and the perks. Um, the shifts that are available depending on the position, and just really uh, getting people excited about possible job opportunities with the Chicago Zoological Foundation through Bookfield Zoo. And again, they'll be here on Tuesday, January 30th at 4 p.m. And then the very next day at 10 a.m., we'll have Hilton Chicago. I spoke about that uh, partnership uh, last week as well as the week before. Right. Um, we have a wonderful partnership set up with them where they have six of their Hilton family brands under one umbrella that we're working directly with their recruiters on. And so when they come out on the 31st, they're going to talk more about those opportunities with the Hilton. I mean, it's just some of the positions that's available, things you wouldn't even think of are needed in the hotel and hospitality industry you can learn about if you come to that event. And again, that one's on Wednesday, January 31st at 10 a.m. And last but 
certainly not least on the list of upcoming events for the Urban League is we have a relationship with the uh, state of Illinois. And what they will be coming out to do with us, it's two sessions because we want to make sure as many people as possible are able to attend these sessions. They're coming to do a workshop on how to apply for and get an opportunity for jobs with the state of Illinois. I know we all know someone, if not our own selves, who's applied for jobs with the state and we never hear back. Right, and right. 90% of the time, it is because we submitted the application wrong. It was put in the system and automatically rejected. They will be here at the Urban League on Wednesday, February 6th. They'll be here at 10 o'clock and then also at 6 p.m. For all of these events and more details on them, please, please give us a call. Our phone number is 773-624-8800. You can also visit our website to get more details on all of them. Um, we are here to help and serve the community. And when you call, if you want more information on just job readiness training and uh, finding out more about the program offerings here in the Center for Workforce Development at Chicago Urban League, we can talk to you more about coming out to just our basic um, orientation and registration that we hold here every Thursday at 9 a.m. to get you more connected to the league and just what we can really help do to increase your your success in, in the current look in, in, in your current job search. And so just some uh, exciting leads that I'd like to share. Um, Access Living, one of Chicago's premier um, housing assistance organizations, is looking to fill a human resources specialist. So that person is someone who will do a little bit of everything, all things human resources related. And the minimum requirement is three years of administrative and clerical assistance, uh, preferably in human resources, but not a requirement. So that's the company because this is a position where you can use those transferable skills and possibly still do well. That's if you're interested in the position with Access Living, make sure to send an email uh, with your resume and cover letter over to rmata at accessliving.org, um, and they will follow up with you directly on that position. For all those that have uh, part cars, they're interested in working in security, have worked in security before, Securitas is having a hiring event this coming Friday from 9 a.m. until 2 p.m. at 150 South Wacker. Um, the wages can go upwards of $13 an hour just depending on the experience, but if you attend this event, you can apply and be um, interviewed immediately on the spot for consideration for one of those positions. And security says it's everywhere. They do security all over the city of Chicago. So we know that there are different places that will need assistance, and you can come and um, be a part of that security force with them. You don't have to apply ahead of time, but if you do, you can visit www.securitasjobs.com in advance. And last but not least, in terms of the leads, uh, the JB and MK Prickser Family Foundation, they're looking to fill a community uh, communications associate position. This position is pretty lucrative. Pay can range anywhere from 55 to 65 a year. Um, you will report directly to the Director of Communications and Community Initiatives, and you would basically be responsible for writing and editing the Foundation's internal and external communications. Um, you would be responsible for 
adapting and managing the foundation's engagement with social and digital media. You'll be responsible for the content as well as monitoring all the social media channels. Um, you would also really be good, you would need to be good at managing multiple projects at one time. Um, especially you'll have a lot of hats you'll be wearing and a lot of different deadlines and you'll have to be good at working around those deadlines and getting things done in a timely fashion. If you're interested, please send your cover letter and your resume to recruiting at the pricksergroup.com. And um, Tariq, you know, I'm going to send you an email with all of this content. I know it was a ton. Uh, with all the information on how to submit your resume and application for all of these wonderful opportunities, as well as more opportunity or information on the events that we've got coming up here at Chicago Urban League. Okay. That sounds good. We'll look for that email. Uh, and thank you again, Kim. We Absolutely. Always my pleasure. Yes, we look forward to talking to you again next week. Uh, remember, people, if you're not looking for employment, you might so know. All right, folks. Hope you have enjoyed that uh, jobs report. If you are uh, looking for employment, uh, we definitely hope that you heard something that uh, would benefit you. But if you're not looking, you probably know somebody who is. So share that with them. Uh, let them know that they can go to, uh, they can go wherever they get their podcasts, and they can simply Look up Radio Islam USA and look for the jobs report. Each week we have a new report up and uh, just take advantage of it. It's something that we are doing and it is it is for you. Uh, it is for those in need. All right. So uh, that being said, this next this next piece, it is um, it, has, it is also another offering. As I mentioned earlier, it is the health is health talk with Dr. Wahid. Uh, and this is our first installment of this weekly inshallah god willing with god's permission is our first installment of this uh of this segment of this podcast so uh let's let's take a listen and we'll talk in a few minutes Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. This is your host, Tariq Alameen. Welcome to Radio Islam. Today we're going to be talking with Dr. Abdul Wahid. This is our first installment of Health Talk with Dr. Wahid. And um, I guess it's good to start off since this is the beginning month. Uh, this is still January and we are we are still looking at resolutions that people have made. And one of the most popular resolutions is always losing weight. So we're going to be talking with Dr. Wahid, who is a graduate of St. Arias Medical School, uh, who has a focus in emergency medicine. We're going to be talking with him about healthy ways to keep that resolution about losing weight. So first, assalamu alaikum. Uh, wa alaikum salam, everyone. I hope you had a... I hope you're having a great new year, and I wish you all the well. Okay, very, very, very nice of you. <laughs> all right, so, um, so with this, this idea or this resolution that people make to lose weight, uh, um, what what is your advice? How how should people go about it? Because most folks are intent on getting into the gym, uh, and and that lasts for for most folks. It doesn't last very long. Uh, but but where where should people start at? I think uh, they already have taken the first step 
to first step is always to make an intent, right? Mm-hmm. So, and second spe- step is to make sure you're committed to that intent, uh, that intent that you made to lose weight. Um, everybody has a different uh, diets, different lifestyle modification they choose to uh, to lose weight. Um, the biggest uh, thing in losing weight is to be persistent and be consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, if something is working for you, me- make sure you keep doing it and it should work. Um, people start losing hope. Uh, like you said, you know, everybody has, most people hits the gym mm-hmm. during the first couple, first month or so. Right. Then they lose interest and eh, then this, the whole cycle begins again, right? Right. So one of the most important thing is to, uh, is one of the most important thing is consistency. So whatever you're doing, be consistent at it. Now, what do you say to folks who uh, they're looking at over-the-counter um, um, medicines or uh, supplements, uh, things like that? Should those be things uh, that people want to incorporate into their into their diets, or do you advise against them? How should people look at those things? There are two major, major basically, there are two uh, different school of thoughts, right? Um, one of the issue that people who are trying to lose weight they face is this uncontrollable controllable hunger, right? Yeah, yeah. And some of the products claim or they gear toward to control that desire. So people want people would eat less, right? Um, but even with those medications uh, or those supplements, uh, you still have to make. Uh, significant uh lifestyle modification even with the even with even taking an appetite suppressant right right so for example i mean it will suppress your appetite sure but then you still have to change then you still have to make sure you're eating properly you even though that let's say that appetite suppressant decreases your appetite and you're eating a lot less than you should um well then you still need the nutrients right i mean you still have the weight that you carry um, your body needs essential nutrients to function right so maybe somewhere in that you also want to keep an eye on that issue or on that particular uh, issue that your body still needs the essential nutrients to run um, to avoid becoming malnourished pretty much right and um, would you recommend people to keep a log of what they eat Yes, I, I, I would recommend them to keep a log what they eat. Uh, it actually helps them. It helps them keep them motivated, and especially if they keep a log of their weight and they see they're losing weight, so they don't lose they don't lose lose hope, and they you know they keep going to the gym. They keep modifying their diet according to their health, according to their needs. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the appetite suppressants uh, they're not a. It's not a cure-all. It's not something that's going to make them lose weight. Or basically what you're saying is that the uh, the thing to look for with that is to make sure that you are getting enough nutrients with that. There's another uh, opinion. For example, um, let's say you weigh 300 pounds, right? And you you have you've been you have been on that weight for a year or two years, and you're eating whatever you want to do and you're not gaining weight, right? Mm-hmm. So if that's been going on for, let's say, for an extended period of time, which means you're consuming enough calories to maintain that weight. You're not 
eating more calories to gain weight and you're not eating lesser calories to lose weight, right? Right. So um, in that case, what I usually suggest to people, you know, since you're since you're doing what you're doing and you're maintaining a weight, mm-hmm. I'm should I should I'm not going to stop you from eating what you like, but I would recommend decreasing it a little bit mm. and maybe adding five to ten minutes, maybe extra physical activity. Right. Mm. So basically, weight loss is simple yet complicated. It's like an oxymoron, right? Mm. So. What you put out has to be greater greater than what you put in in right. terms of cal- uh, caloric intake, right? Mm-hmm. But that's very hard. It sounds simple. It's very hard to do when your stomach is asking you to eat and you have all these great choices, especially in the city of Chicago. I mean, you can't stop yourself <laughs> sometime, right? Right. So it's, it's easier said than done. That's what I was trying to get at. But okay. one of the easiest approach I found, you let people what they let them eat what they yeah, like to eat but just have them decrease it a little bit a little bit take it a stepwise approach and i that worked uh, that works better than uh, most diets out there okay so now in in extreme cases um doc where people are hundreds of pounds overweight where they're they're clinically they're morbidly classified as morbidly obese uh and in those cases Oftentimes, or at least I've seen on television, where people undergo uh, bariatric surgery. Is that something that, um, uh, in your experience, in your estimation, should be left for those extreme cases? Uh, is, there a, is there a cutoff period that you would say uh, before somebody should, should consider that? Bariatric surgery, it's, uh, it's, it's a different thing in itself. Mm-hmm. Because... You should you should be having a discussion uh, with your dietitian and your primary physician care as well, because it's a major surgery. There, within bariatric surgery, there are three different types of surgeries. Um, you have what they call the gastric bypass, mm-hmm. where they'll put a like a rubber around your stomach that constrict the passage uh, that the food, that allows the food to go into your stomach, and it helps you make you feel full even if you eat small amount of bites okay. uh, the other one is in, in that literally they will cut out some part of your stomach they will literally make your stom- stomach smaller so you, you can eat less and then they stitch it back and the third one is this what they call is a gast- gastric bypass in that they will to- they will just they will make a connection between uh, your esophagus and the in- um, and the intestine where they totally bypass your stomach Wow. Right. So and how does how does digestion occur in, in that instance? Well, that's where the what that's where their diet comes in, right? So their diet is that's a different topic in itself. We can talk hours and hours about this, but sure. before you go go for a bariatric surgery, um, one of the recommendations is to have an evaluation by a psychiatrist and get educated on this and you have to get an approval from your psychiatrist to go to the bariat to have to be allowed to have a bariatric surgery because it's it's a lifelong commitment and they want to make sure you're ready for this you want to do this Um, it's uh, and after the counseling their diet has been totally changed most of them cannot eat solid food for extended period of time or some of them can't even eat solid food at all so that's why where you have these supplement drinks that help fill the needs for um, wherever the digestion, the digestion part will lack. So 
um, in that terms, bariatric. So getting back to the question, the bariatric surgery, that's a discussion you should have with, uh, with your primary physician um, if he would recommend it or not. Uh, but then again, uh, I just told you the one aspect uh, of bariatric surgery, uh, but there are many others that uh, we should All right, Radio Islam family, if you'd like to hear the, uh, the entirety, there's just about maybe three or four minutes left, uh, you can hear it on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, wherever you get your, uh, your podcast. Uh, just go to Radio Islam, look up the uh, Health Talk with Dr. Wahid. Uh, we're going to have to say Good night. We thank you for spending this hour with us, Radio Islam family. And want to thank our engineer over at WCEV, Leonard. want to thank our engineer in studio, the impressive one, Ibrahim Beg. I'm your host and producer, Tariq el Our executive, executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. Uh, we remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and not to be taken as representative of Sound Vision, Inc. Join us tomorrow night at 6 for Movie Talk with Bubba and Tariq, where we'll be talking about guilty pleasures in movie and television. So it's going to be a good show. Look forward to talking to you. I leave you as I greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.